Hello, you are listening to a very special mini-series of the Sustainable-ish podcast with me, Jen Gale, counting down to and celebrating the launch of the Sustainable-ish Living Guide, my book that is everything you need to know to make small changes that make a big difference. Join me for 12 days, diving into a chapter each day and chatting to someone marvellous, doing good stuff relevant to the topic of that chapter to infuse and inspire you to take action and obviously to get your mitts on a copy of my book. (laughs) One of my favourite comments I've had so far from someone who was sent an advanced copy is that it's the most eco-common sense thing I've read, which I absolutely love because I feel like we all need a bit of eco-common sense as we enter a new year and a new decade where we'll all need to be making changes. So we need to figure out how to make those changes work for us. The book is published by Bloomsbury and it is out on January the 9th. So if you're listening before that, you can pre-order it from all the usual places online Or if you're listening after that point, you can, of course, order it online or it should be available in all good bookshops. Or obviously, the sustainable-ish option would be to ask your library to order it in for you. Oh my goodness, this is totally like the wait for Christmas Day, isn't it? Or at least it is for me anyway. On the one hand, these days feel like they're whizzing past. And on the other hand, it feels like it is taking an interminably long time to count down to the launch date of the Sustainable-ish Living Guide. We are on to day seven of our 12 days of Sustainable-ish, which is all about Sustainable-ish homes. And it's very fitting then that today I am talking to Angela Terry, an environmental scientist and the founder and CEO of One Home, which is a website with a wealth of information and support about the choices we can make at home to cut our carbon emissions. Now, I'm going to be honest here. None of the actions that Angela and I talk about today are especially exciting. In fact, it could be said that they fall very squarely into the sensible and grown-up camp. They have none of the Instagram appeal of beach cleans or sexy alternatives to single-use plastic. But actually, although it pains my inner rebellious child to say it, It's these possibly slightly dull grown-up things that can actually make a really big difference when it comes to our personal carbon footprints. So, big girl or boy, pants at the ready, here we go. Hello, Angela. Welcome to Sustainable-ish. Hi, Jen. Hello. Oh, it's really lovely to have you here. Let's kick off, as we always do, by asking you to introduce yourself in your own words. (laughs) So I'm Angela Terry. I am an environmental scientist by training. My account is two decades in the renewable energy and forestry sector, promoting low carbon actions. Um, And about two years ago, I founded um, UK Climate Alliance, because I realised that instead of rapidly reducing our carbon emissions, we were in fact pretty much staying stagnant and in some cases, horror, horror, increasing, such Mm. as in the home and the public sector and transport emissions. And I thought, well, we need some sort of national communication strategy around this, which is why I set up One Home to act as that one-stop shop for climate action 
targeting consumers because basically power is in our hands. You know, we vote every five years in theory. <laughs> it's been a lot more recently. Um, but every time we go shopping, every time we sit down for a meal, you know, we are responsible for uh, carbon emissions of the things we purchase in our home in all the various ways, basically. And so I'm not just talking about food shopping. I'm talking yeah. about energy bills, um, car fuel bills, yeah. you know, holiday choices. Everything we decide to do in our own little bubbles of our home, that's where we really can make a huge difference very quickly. It doesn't require government legislation, basically. Yeah, and because a stat I came across when I was um, sort of researching the book, and it's in the book, is I think it's something like 60% of um, greenhouse gas emissions are from our you know household consumption and I was blown away by that I was like that can't be right and I think you know I went and tracked the source and things and it seems pretty credible but that was bonkers exactly and this is it this is sort of theoretical and it's really academic about whether it's individual choice or government systems change that will make the difference Mm. and I'm like it's both yeah (laughs) it's really obviously both so so one really clear example is that the rise of the SUV so people choosing to buy bigger and bigger cars has undone all the great legislation uh, improvements on energy efficiency of engines wow so if we don't consume a choice as well as technology fixes then you end up with first like boomerang impacts that no one foresaw happening yeah and, and undoing all the good that we've done through advancements in science and technology basically so we have to provide people the information and one of the main sort of positive things when I was setting this up is a strong strong belief that people actually cared but they don't know what to do and I think what's happened now with Great Awakening is that survey after survey is showing that people do care see climate change now with their own eyes and they really do want to do the right thing they just need help in what the high impact actions are which is why things like your book are so good to get out there yeah and I, that's so true because you know I did a really informal survey that was just kind of basically went out to friends and family just saying because we don't have these conversations or certainly I don't you know at the school gate or whatever um you know just saying that guys are are you worried about climate change because I'm over here and I'm kind of crapping myself like are you guys worried about this and what is you know, what are the things that might be stopping you taking action? And everybody said, yes, I'm worried about it. And the vast majority said, I just don't know what to do. And you kind of, and you're so busy and you haven't got time to sit and research and do all this, um, you know, trawling through the internet and stuff. You kind of want someone to come up to you and go, right, do these five things or whatever, and, or do just do this one thing now. And then next month we can do something else. It's, it's giving people those actions, isn't it? It's giving them those actions and also explaining that most of them save them money there's this yeah. huge myth out there that going green is expensive and it couldn't be further from the truth doing the right thing for the planet actually will generally save you loads of money because you won't be wasting yeah. so much yeah that famous quote from David Attenborough wasn't it about um you know what's the thing well just don't waste and it applies yes. to food it applies to fuel it applies to energy you know it's everything isn't it exactly yeah God bless David Attenborough I know. <laughs> <laughs> we love him Greta, let's just get all the fan, yes, fan yeah. out the way. <laughs> <laughs> so you said at the beginning there that that actually um, greenhouse gas emissions are rising, kind of within the home. What are the things that the main things that are contributing to that? 
So they're rising in the home and they're also rising internationally as well. So, so in terms of making rapid, far-reaching, unprecedented reductions in greenhouse gases, we're not doing that. And, mm-hmm. and so in terms of the home, so making what we can control is insulation. Yeah. The main use of energy in the UK is heat. So we're right. in the winter heating season at the moment. And insulation, payback time, we'll come back to the money. I always come back to the money. I worked out something like if you insulated your home, it would be the equivalent of getting like nine bottles of Prosecco delivered or every month. <laughs> I love that equivalent. It's not like yeah. we're not talking about... <laughs> Number yeah. of cars off the road, we're talking no, about. No, <laughs> no. I mean, number of cars off the road is really important. It really is such a good money-saving trick. So in your loft, if you have a loft, there should be a 27 centimetres is the guidance for loft insulation. So Say that again because it kind of the sound went a bit funny there. How many centimetres? 27 centimetres. So your old school 30 centimetre ruler that we all used to carry around, I still yeah. don't know why we carried them around, so... <laughs> religiously it's about that depth so it's nearly a foot basically so you can literally go up into your loft with a ruler and and hold it up against the insulation and see how deep it is yes exactly or a shoe (laughs) and and the thing is it will take you probably about two hours to fit that and that will last for about 40 years and save you hundreds of pounds it's and that's literally no-brainer. a case of like going to B&Q or wherever, exactly. getting some insulation and just like you said, spending a couple of hours up there in the loft, rolling it all out and patting yes. it down. Or what, exactly. you're probably not supposed to pat it down, are you? I don't know. No, you don't pat it down. You literally <laughs> roll it out um, and you just leave a gap between the roof and the insulation so, so there can be some circulation of air so you don't get any damp problems. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and are there still grants available for that? No, I knew there were. Okay. definitely not. So the only people who can get grants are people deemed in fuel poverty, and that definition has been lowered and lowered and lowered. Mm. Um, but if you are on any benefits, uh, disability or any benefits at all, I would definitely seek advice from mm. your energy supplier because they actually can't give that money away fast enough. Oh, okay. Yeah. So if you are on any benefits, definitely get the work done for free because the budgets there are Mm -hmm. uh, still there. If you're not on benefits, like I say, it's about a two-year payback. So it's the best thing you can do because decarbonising the gas grid is quite tricky and we're nowhere near doing it. So most of us, it's about four out of five of us are on using a gas boiler at home. Yeah, We have a really simple thing is to keep the... um, thermostat at 19 degrees as long as you haven't got someone elderly or frail in your yeah. home 19 degrees celsius that's a really simple thing to do oh, okay we've got one of these things um it's called a chop clock and it kind of oh. i don't know how it works but it's attached to the um to the boiler somehow and, and it kind of you can pick how long it gets up to a temperature so say up to 19 and then it will cut out for like 15 minutes every hour or whatever and it's supposed to be quite an effective way of maintaining the temperature but still saving some energy as well I don't know um I mean they've got some lovely stats on their site as to how effective it is but we've been using that and haven't noticed you know feeling cold particularly yes and there's a huge um uptake of smart thermostats Mm. there's the google have the nest and gas have hive and they sort of 
easier to control because one of the main problems is people can't use their programmers. Those old-fashioned yes. programmers were <laughs> such I can't. Uh, and I didn't know anyone who – it was one of my favourite questions at uh, energy conferences. You know, I'd have a room full of energy experts, and I'd be like, who actually knows how to program their boiler? And everyone would look around slightly embarrassed to see which way the room was going. <laughs> oh, brilliant. So, so, so these, these are so good because you can press a button on your phone and it can turn the heating off if you're away. I, that blows my mind. I do not understand how that works, but I'm happy to accept that it does. Yeah, so, <laughs> and, and what's really good is they've really taken people's imagination. They've sold millions of them. And, mm. um, you know, obviously things like... Ro- insulation in your loft are much better <laughs> things yeah. to be doing if, if you like your gadgets and your it's gimmicks. not sexy though is it insulation no not whereas sexy. this little control people come in they love it and it, yeah. it reminds me when we bought our first house as a married couple people would come to the house and for everyone commented on our recycling bins and asked <laughs> us where they got them from <laughs> so sometimes you know something that looks cool in your house is a real talking point so yeah yeah so um insulate your loft how um and like um wall insulation as well how do you find out if you've got it if you need more how does that all work yeah so if your house was built before 1990 you probably don't have it if it was right. built after 1990 you probably do oh, okay um but insulation companies can come around and check for you uh mm-hmm. If you've got a really, really old house where your windows, gap between the windows and the walls inside and out is like massive, mm. you won't have cavity wall insulation, you'll be in an old stone house. Yeah. Basically. So you'll know if you're in a stone yeah. house, basically. Um, and then if you've got it, there will be regular little circles all around your house where they have drilled in and filled it. Uh, They're okay. actually really obvious to see if you know what to look for. Right. But uh, someone can easily, if you bring up an insulation company and ask them to come give you a quote, they will easily tell if you've had it before or not. And uh, if you're okay. in any doubt, they will literally just drill into your wall to see, and then they just use a bit of filler. That job literally takes about three hours. Okay. And again, it lasts for about 40 years, and there is a warranty with all that work not in the company, but national industry. Oh, because wow. what stops people doing it is their concerns about quality of the work. Mm. This industry has a guarantee, and any company that survived this long with the sort of roller coaster of energy policy that we've had is yes. probably knows their stuff, is what I'd say. So, um, yeah. And what's the payback on that, on um, cavity wall insulation? Yeah, so so it would be a bit longer. It would be, in terms of keeping your home warm, you would feel the difference straight oh, away. Oh, wow. Yeah, and it all depends on whether you're a detached house. The Energy Saving Trust has all the up-to-date payback. Oh, so brilliant. I'll link to that. send people there. Yeah. Because then they can look up a specific house, like whether mm. it's terrace, detached, semi-detached. Now, you can do solid wall insulation. The payback on that is far higher. Right. It's more complicated. They're literally putting insulation boards in your home, around your home. Yeah. Um, So it's a more sort of involved job. And you'd want to do it if you were doing renovations in your home. Sure, yeah. If you were thinking of getting a new kitchen or painting your walls, you'd want to get it then. Yeah. Okay, cool. And um. 
I don't know if you're the right person to ask this or not, but in terms of, as you say, decarbonising the gas grid, and one thing that I've been hearing quite a lot about is air source heat pumps. Um, so if people are, you know, looking to replace their boiler, is that a viable option now to be thinking about an air source heat pump instead? And can you explain to people what they do and how they work? Sure. So there's two types. There is the ground source heat pump and the air source heat pump. And what they do is they literally have fluid going round in trenches around the ground. And because the ground is a more stable temperature than the air, it works the opposite of a fridge, basically. So it condenses the heat. There's a heat exchanger and it takes the heat from the ground it condenses it in your home and then pumps it around your underfloor heating in your home mm. so it is a way of having renewable electricity so obviously the pump uses electricity mm-hmm. so so your energy your electricity bill would go up yeah but then you wouldn't be using gas anymore it is a renewable heat incentive so the government gives you a payment every quarter as a sort of incentive to do it oh okay they are expensive mm-hmm. no getting around that. they are much more expensive than a gas boiler but payback if you are off the gas grid you would really want to be looking into it because actually oh, so if you've got oil heating or yes. anything like that yeah. yeah and it's about one in five homes are off yeah. the gas grid a source heat pumps also work that you'll see them they look like uh, air conditioning units mm. on the side of houses sort of um mitsubishi is the main uh, manufacturer they have like this fan they also do work. I know when the beast from the east came, some people had problems with them. Right. Obviously, the air temperature plummeted. They do say they work in quite a wide range of um, temperatures, but obviously they're not as efficient as ground source heat pumps. They are obviously cheaper because you're not doing the sort of drilling down the borehole or the trenching. That yeah, and kind of easier to sort of retrofit. To Much a, to easier to retrofit, yeah. Like I say, you your electricity bill would go up more with an air source heat pump. Oh, okay. And can they be hooked up to your existing radiators or do they? Do you have to have underfloor heating? So the way heat pumps work is that they don't get up to the same temperature. So a boiler works by boiling, <laughs> literally boiling the mm. water and sending it around hot water pipes into your radiators, which are quite small in your room for the size. Yeah. Whereas ground source and air source heat pumps don't get up to the same high temperature they do is they cover a bigger area, which is why the underfloor heating is how they work. Right. Okay. It's fascinating, isn't it? And it's really interesting to think how, you know, we are going to have to, to yes. come off gas and how that's going to to actually work and what that's going to look like um, in the sort of medium term, I guess, mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, sorry, we've done that. We, I went slightly off, off piece. No, there renewable with the heating is a very good, <laughs> very good subject to cover because it's one of the great, you know, we've got, something million homes and how are we going to get rid of all those boilers it's a really it's a really big question yeah but we can do insulation today so I will go back (laughs) yeah definitely and I think those things that you know whether it's switching your energy supply to renewables or sorting out your insulation it's those kind of one-time things that might feel like a bit of a pain in the butt to do for you know that day or whatever or you kind of keep putting it off and putting it off but once you've done it it's done and then you're kind of reaping the rewards and, and your carbon footprint is quite dramatically lowered just with that one thing so exactly. I think you know yep and then I'll give you another really much easier one is <laughs> if you're getting new curtains or blinds is to make sure they are thermally lined mm-hmm. or if they're blinds out blinds that's a really right. simple thing so if you go to look, like say Dunelm or B&Q or wherever you buy curtains from yeah 
it all off a pickup line as an option yeah. now, you know, and that's a really simple way to make the heat peeking out of your windows just that less you know and and obviously like as soon as it gets dark draw your cat you know we're quite bad. Know. If we're not overlooked we'll kind of leave them open it's like actually shut that because it's helping keep all the heat from the yes. radio it's just going straight out the window yeah glass is just not good for keeping mm. heating and one of the things this might be a step too far for people but one thing we did um a few years ago was i got an old sort of wool blanket sewed some curtain tape on the top of it and then kind of fixed that onto the back of the curtains um, so we could have that on in the winter and then take it off because we didn't have thermal linings or I can't remember I wanted to add an extra layer or something. But if anybody is, you know, vaguely handy with a sewing machine, uh, that's that's a probably a cheaper option than, you know, uh, shelling out for thermal, proper thermally lined curtains if you if you're not replacing them. Exactly. Perfect. Well, there are three things that, as you say, people can do and they're things. The thing I love about them is that you wouldn't or I don't think I would have necessarily of thought of them as you know what are the what are three top things people can do to make their homes more sustainable I might have thought I don't know you know turn your lights off when you leave the room and all that sort of thing and obviously that's all important but these are actually taking quite big chunks off your your house carbon, carbon footprint. footprint yeah so so what we do one home we have the top 10 things to tackle climate change oh, brilliant and it's and it's all about the really things you can do mm. make a real difference so it's all well and good recycling and uh, another one is replacing all your lights with leds mm. so you're, you're absolutely uh, cutting down the amount of energy you use but really big ones are the heat, reducing your heat demand reducing your travel demand uh, not flying mm-hmm. eating less meat and dairy you know all these sort yeah. of key ones if you can put renewables up, if you've got a sort of south-ish facing roof and you've got money, particularly there's a lot of solar streets projects happening, solar PV up is a mm-hmm. beautiful thing to do. But like I say, there is no um, feed-in tariff anymore. So you have to have the cash in a bank earning no yeah. interest and want to do it, basically. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah, yeah. Really not worth taking a loan out to do it. It yeah. doesn't make financial sense. But even, even you know, if you can't put your own renewables up that making that switch to a, a greener tariff um and again the the perception is that that will that will be more expensive but the there are a lot of them out there now that are um coming in cheaper than the sort of standard tariffs from exactly the, that's another things. great myth that needs taking straight out the park it's <laughs> more expensive to go green i'm just going to keep saying it and saying it <laughs> yes yeah 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 and i think some of that is that we're so used to buying stuff to solve a problem aren't we we're so used to or if we want to start a new hobby or we do any, or we move house we buy stuff that's our it's not our natural reaction but that's the reaction we've been um that the path we've been led down and so obviously now we think oh well I want to do my bit for the environment so I go and buy a reusable cup and I go and buy a reusable you know and actually lots of these things the greenest thing is to use the stuff you've already got um, absolutely but we're so used to that well I need to I need to buy some stuff to make this thing real. I don't know. It's funny, isn't it? It is. It is. And it will change. It definitely will change. And it is changing already, actually, because the Christmas trend this year mm. has been people buying each other um, experiences rather than yes. stuff. And, and so there's something about um, this transition will not be linear. It is not happening slowly, slowly. It's going to be massive. And I think next year will be shock everyone, even 
those of us who've worked in this sector for a while will be surprised at how quickly things change. Are you feeling quite optimistic then? I am. Good. <laughs> I know, honestly, the fact that we had a climate change debate that, yeah. that everyone polled puts environment up at the top. There's always, we're, we're actually at that frustrating cliff edge part at the moment where changes, rapid change is about to happen. Yeah. Incumbents who want us to keep doing the same stuff are pushing back. So we're at that place where we feel progress. But I love the expression uh, remove the log and the river will flow. This right. river is about to flow and it's going to be unstoppable and it's already happening. You know, the kids get it. They're yeah. slowly bringing their parents around. Um, I actually think it's sort of, sort of people our age and above that yeah. are the more harder to switch around because older people perhaps in a way they're used to being sort of more conservative with resources mm-hmm. um it's the sort of a generation that grew up with fast fashion foreign yes. holidays that really needs to have a look and reevaluate what's important to them that's that's really key i think the more and more i've been especially around christmas i've been talking to people about this and and it's that rethink, you know, like re and and actually stop and take a minute and think. What are the things that are important to me? What do I value? And I yes. guarantee, if you asked, you know, ten people on the street, are you worried about climate change? They would. I hope they would say yes. And mm. and so that you know, the planet, the health of the planet is one of the things that you value. How how are your buying decisions? How are your daily actions kind of reflecting that value? And I think we've become very disconnected from that, haven't we? Yeah. Yeah, so people wanting to do the right thing by their children has always mm. been, let me get a big SUV. Yes, yeah, protected. Yeah. You don't realise that their safety record is actually far worse than a normal standard car. Right. So they've increased emissions by 25%, but they're wow. actually twice as likely to roll. They are 11% more likely to die. You know, they're twice oh as likely to kill someone if they hit someone. <gasps> yeah. So, so, so this is where the marketing power of corporates that are literally knowingly destroying our planet overtaken all common sense and that's where like I say this awakening is going to happen it's going to happen very clearly people are going to go oh we're not falling for this anymore yeah yeah I mean I I feel that the same that I feel like you know 2018 everyone kind of woke up to a bit to plastic and 2019 really feels like there's been much more mainstream conversations and debate around the climate crisis and you know that that 2020 is going to be the kind of year of of action and and hopefully kick off a whole decade of action because you know what 2030 is kind of crunch point isn't it so if we yeah. can really harness this momentum and it's been absolutely fascinating so where can we come and find you online if we want to have a poke around and see what else sure our social media is our one home and our website is onehome.org.uk um so yeah that's and i will post links to all that and i'll post the link to that um, article you said with those 10 top big 10 yeah that everybody can do tackle climate change wonderful thank you so much thank you so much for tuning in and for joining me in counting down to and celebrating the launch of the sustainable-ish living guide available online and in all good bookshops from january the 9th 2020 catch you next time <laughs>